poets and intellectuals of this time, the innovative minds, the intelligentsia, those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers, the revolutionaries, those living apart from this big unrest, those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have tuned into the Bohemian Beat. I'm Rudy, with you for another thought-provoking hour filled with ooh, radical literature. But first, let's settle in with some music. Shadow of a man, shadow of a man, shadow of a man, shadow of a Shadow of a man, I saw it from the corner of my eye. Shadow of a man, walking slowly, pointing upwards at the sky. He might have mentioned something, but I just looked away. Went about my business like any other day. Shadow of a man, walking Stories not to no one, just in it. Shadow of a man pointing to the sights that are no longer there. His uniform has shrunk till the elbows worn away, the relic of another better day. Shadow of a man walking quietly away. The alleys near St. Paul's To Covent Garden after midnight When everybody else has gone To the festival hall Shadow of a man Shadow of a man 
shadow of a man Shadow of a man That was Jackie Levin and Michael Cosgrave with Shadow of a Man from an album called All Sewn Up, a tribute to Patrick Fitzgerald. Today we will start with a dramatic scene from a radio play, 1984, based on the dystopian novel by George Orwell, published in 1949. 1984 is a frightening portrait of totalitarianism, government-controlled society, that punishes love, destroys privacy and distorts truth. The novel includes the well-known statement, Big Brother is watching you. This is the story of Winston Smith, a sluggish, ordinary man who lives in Airstrip One, or the former UK, now a province of Oceania, one of the world's three super states. The story follows his intellectual rebellion against the party, an illicit romance, and his consequent imprisonment, interrogation, torture, and re-education. In the following piece, Winston has been captured and is being held in the government's Ministry of Love, which is autonomous double-think to their true function, which is torture. The Ministry of Love identifies, monitors, arrests and converts real and imagined dissidents. Winston's experience finds him beaten and tortured, then, when near broken, is sent to room 101 or room 101 to face the worst thing in the world, until love for Big Brother and the party replaces dissonance. You remember writing in your diary, freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two make four? Yes. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four. And if the party says that it's not four, but five, then how many? Four. How many fingers, Winston? Four. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Four. What else could I say? Four. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Stop it. Stop it. Four. Four. How many fingers, Winston? Five. You're lying. You still think there are four. How many... Please. Four, five, four, anything you like. Stop it. Stop the pain. Stop. <sighs> You're a slow learner, Winston. How can I help it? How can I help seeing what's in front of my eyes? Two and two are four. Sometimes, Winston. Sometimes they are five or three or all of them at once. You must try harder. It's not easy to become sane. It's not easy. It goes on endlessly. The questions, the drugs, the questions, the torture machines. Endlessly. Do you know where you are, Winston? I don't know. I can guess. In the Ministry of Love. Do you know how long you've been here? I don't know. I think it's months. And why do you imagine we bring people to this place? To make them confess? No, that's not the reason. Try again. To punish them? No. To cure you. To make you sane. The party is not interested in the overt act. The thought is all we care about. 
We do not merely destroy our enemies, we change them. What happens to you here is forever. Even if we choose to let you live out the natural term of your life, you can never escape from us. Holton, set the machine for 2,000. Yes, comrade. This time it won't hurt you, Winston. Keep your eyes fixed on mine. Now, how many fingers am I holding? Five. Do you see five? Yes. You see now uh, that it's at any rate possible. Yes. Before we bring the session to an end, you can ask me a few questions if you choose. The machine is switched off. What is your first question? What have you done with Julia? She betrayed you, Winston. All her rebelliousness, her deceit, her folly, her dirty-mindedness, everything has been burnt out of her. It was a perfect conversion. You tortured her? Next question. Does Big Brother exist? Of course he exists. The party exists. Big Brother is the embodiment of the party. Will Big Brother ever die? Of course not. How could he die? Next question. What is in room 101? You know that, Winston. Everyone knows what's in room 101. Houghton, the hypodemic.
You are listening to the Bohemian Beat, broadcasting nationally since 2007 across the community radio network. We just heard Marilyn Manson with Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. And before that, an excerpt from the NBC University Theatre dramatisation of George Orwell's novel 1984. The novel 1984 has had many influences, including Orwell's own experiences fighting fascism during the Spanish Civil War, his experiences as a police officer in Burma, the World Wars, and so on. Another influence was a poem his wife, Eileen O'Shaughnessy, wrote a year before she met Orwell. The poem written in 1934 looks 50 years into the future, to 1984. End of the Century, 1984, by Eileen O'Shaughnessy. Death. Synthetic winds have blown away, material dust but this one room, rebukes the constant violent ray, and dustless sheds a dusty gloom. Wrecked on the outmoded past, lie North and Hillard, Virgil and Horace. Shakespeare's bones are quiet at last, dead as Yeats or William Morris. Have not the inmates earned their rest? A hundred circles traversed they, complaining of the classic quest and each inevitable day, illogically trying to place a ball within an empty space. Birth. Every loss is now a gain, for every chance must follow reason. A crystal palace meets the rain that falls at its appointed season. No book disturbs the lucid line, for sun-bronze scholars tune their thought to telepathic station nine, from which they know just what they ought. The useful sciences, the arts, of tele-salesmanship and Spanish, as registered in western parts, mental cremation that shall banish. Relics, philosophies and colds, manana-minded ten-year-olds. The Phoenix. Words have died that they may live, may plume again their fairest feathers, and in the clearest songs may give welcome to all spontaneous weathers. Bacon's colleague is called Einstein, Huxley shares platonic food, violet rays are only sunshine, christened in the modern mood. In this house, if in no other, past and future may agree, each herself but each the other, in a curious harmony. Finding both a proper place in the silken gown's embrace. There is learning, there is understanding, there is learning, there is learning, there is understanding, there is acceptance, learning, there is understanding, there is acceptance, there is acceptance. Maybe we can televise. I 
with 1984 and before that Tegan reading end of the century 1984 by Eileen O'Shaughnessy the first wife of the English novelist and social critic George Orwell in fact George Orwell was a pen name for Eric Arthur Blair who lived between 1903 and 1950 Orwell or Blair spent five years from 1922 to 1927 as a police officer in the Indian Imperial Police Force in Burma. Burma had become part of the British Empire during the 19th century as an adjunct of British India. The British colonised Burma in stages. It was not until 1885 when they captured the royal capital of Mandalay that Burma as a whole could be declared part of the British Empire. This next piece is from a BBC radio dramatisation by Mike Walker called The Real George Orwell, Burma, and is based on his experiences in Burma. In the following scene, Eric Blair is in trouble with the inspector for participating in the local Burmese culture and spending too much time reading. Sure you won't have one? No, thank you, sir. Look, I don't enjoy this any more than you do, but you know... Well, well, let's get things straight, shall we? What do you see when you first arrive in this benighted hellhole? Um, uh, I remember... Yes, as as we came into port, the sea was still, so so still, glassy green, and uh, there were turtles and sea snakes basking there, and a, a fleet of sampans oh. came racing out to meet us. It was like Lord Jim or Somerset. No. Oh, enough with the poetry. What do you see when you look at Rangoon from the ship's side? Oh, uh, the pagoda, of course, that golden roof catching the sun like it was... No, 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 not the bloody pagoda. You know what you see if you're an Englishman? Um. The Burma oil terminal. All those bloody great smoking chimneys. That's why we're here and why we've always been here. Forget the white man's burden. Forget empire or temples of glass-green water. We're here for one reason only. Commerce. And do you know what that means? Uh, shopkeeping, trade, that, that sort of... You see, there it is, Blair. You can't resist being clever, can you? Hmm? Thinking you're smarter than the rest of us. I, I, I don't think that at all, sir. You better not. Your hands are as dirty as anyone's out here. 
You were at the hanging the other day, hmm? Yes, sir. Anything to say? Got any pacifist statements you'd like to make? I've never pretended to be a pacifist, sir. <laughs> no doubt Jumbo would testify to that, what? <laughs> Look, what we do is keep the business going, see? And that means delivering a good dividend to the shareholders, being a safe pair of hands, never mind a little bit of dirt under the fingernails. Very good, sir, but I, I still don't see what this has to do with the elephant. It belonged to Steel Brothers. Timber? Logging? Exactly. Trade, as you so arrogantly put it. They are not pleased. One elephant? They, they must have thousands. But each one matters, Blair. It was an asset, and you do not allow your assets to be killed as a bloody spectacle. We can never let go our grip. Because once we do, once they start to see that it's possible that we aren't here forever by right of God, but only by right of the City of London... Hmm? Do you see now? Yes, sir, I do. We're already getting mobs of schoolboys shouting insults in the streets and Buddhist monks making a nuisance of themselves in that bloody peaceful way of theirs. Well, Steel Brothers are not happy. They want an example made. In short, they want you out of here. Posted to some backwater. Qatar, for instance. How can I matter that much to the biggest timber company in Burma? You cost them money. And every shilling matters, every sixpence. Read your Carlisle, Blair. He who has sixpence is lord over all men who have it not. He commands cooks to feed him, teachers to teach him, even kings to guard him, as long as the sixpences keep coming into his purse. As long as the sixpences keep coming into his purse. Now, get yourself packed and sorted, and I will shoot along a travel warrant. Be a change of you, at least. Get to see a bit more of the country, sir. Sorry to lose you in a way, Blair. Not quite what we usually get. I rather wondered how a chap from Eton ended up here. Oh, uh, it's... No matter. Off you go. Good luck. Save me from drowning in the sea Beat me up on the beach What a lovely holiday There's nothing funny left to say This somber song will drain the sun But it won't shine until it's sun no water running in the stream The saddest place we've ever seen Everything I touched was golden Everything I loved got broken On the road to Mandalay Every mistake I've ever made Has been rehashed and then replayed As I got lost along the way Bum 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 bum
is all that you're left with Twenty paces then at dawn We will die and be reborn I like to sleep beneath the trees Have the universe at one with me Look down the barrel of a gun And feel the moon replace the sun Robbie Williams with The Road to Mandalay. And before that, an excerpt from a BBC radio dramatisation by Mike Walker called The Real George Orwell, Burma. And let's continue with more of this radio drama. Baggage van. They go in the baggage van, Tam. You chop, chop, Porter. The train is leaving. Hurry. Hurry. You... Here, lend a hand yourself. Bloody born a lazy Englishman. Look at bloody Englishman. Too weak to carry baggy self. What do you say? Now you can go home, white man, and take all your white man friends with you. We had enough of you here. Go away. You go. We don't want you. You can watch your bloody language. You go now. Go away. We don't want you. Tell the white bastards to go home. All of them. Get out of my way. Get out of my country. Get on board, bloody! Give me your hand! Come on! Come on! Had a wee bit of a narrow escape there. Yes, yes, I did. They, uh, out of nowhere, it was. 
horrible. You I, think they meant your harm? I think they wanted to trample me. Underfoot, crush me. Look, I, I, I'm terribly sorry. I, I, I'm in the wrong compartment. I, I should go and find my... Uh, I have a warrant. I'm, I'm dreadfully sorry. Um, I think you should stay right where you are. Drink this. Oh, Here. Go on. Thank you. I really must find my compartment. What's the hurry? Aren't you going all the way? Hmm? Qatar. Uh, well, don't fret. I heard you on the station telling the porter, that's all. Uh, Nothing mysterious going on. New posting? Uh, yes, you, 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 you could say so. Look, Mr... Um, what do you say to no names? No pack drill, eh? Two travellers met upon a journey. Sounds like something out of Stevenson. It's the, the Suicide Club. <coughs> Wonderful. Uh, the Ebb Tide, uh, the beach at Falesa. So you're a reader? Uh, well, we, we all read out here. We can't wait for the latest novels to arrive from home. Then should I say a thoughtful reader? Not the constant nymph sort of stuff, <laughs> which is perhaps a little strange for a policeman. I did actually rather enjoy the constant nymph, but uh, yes, I, 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 I do read. Jack London, uh, French writers, Flaubert, Anatole France. My God. What's the matter? I'm sitting here in this carriage talking about literature as if... as if I hadn't just beaten that boy. Bit of Jekyll and Hyde, eh? Did you mean him harm? I think at that moment... I could have killed him. He's not the first Burman or Indian you've beaten, I'd wager. No, no of course not. Prisoners. How could I be a policeman and do my job? You know what they like. What are they like? Evil-hearted little beasts. No, I, I, I don't mean that. I mean, I, I do mean it, but I, I, um, I don't... You feel it, but you don't like the fact that you do. Yes, yes, I, I think so. And besides, they can be evil-hearted little beasts. Yes. I've been out here a good few years, and I know a good few Burmans, Indians, Chinese, you name it. And they're all of them fine people. But bring on colonialism, and something bad happens to the best of men. But that's enough of that. I don't think you did any harm to that young fellow, apart from bruising his pride. I looked into his face. He was angry. Not cowed or frightened. He didn't like me. No, not, not just me. He, he didn't like any of us. He, the look of pure hatred on his face. Do you see that? I see it very often. I'm a schoolteacher. Huh? An educator. Oh, yes, the British authorities do actually have a policy of native education. Let's teach them how lucky they are that we came and appropriated their country and are running it so much more efficiently, so much more profitably than they ever could. After all, if we don't explain it clearly, they might wonder why all the profits from their natural resources flow to the city, to the city of, of London. Bravo! For then they might start looking at other folk who decided to take history into their own hands. What is it Mr. H.G. Wells says? The walls that surround us appear like concrete, but once we dare to burst through, we discover that, after all, they are only paper. And we don't want that to happen, do we?
All sounds a bit, uh, bit bullshit to me. It all sounds like simple common sense to me. You know, the way you look at a thing and say to yourself, it's not right. I remember being a wee boy put to my lessons back in Aberdeen. We had a fine big globe in the classroom. And I can see myself now slowly spinning it and thinking, there's too much red on this thing. Too much red. <clears throat> you can leave and find your own compartment if this is all too bullshit for you, buddy. Yet you came out to Burma. Why? If you ever visit Aberdeen, go down to the harbour and you'll see on the hard a roundhouse. The harbour master's office, where the gallery runs around the top. My uncle used to take me up there so I could watch the ships leaving port. Steaming, sometimes still sailing even, at that date. And his job was to call out to the masters. Whither bound? Whither bound? And they would answer. Bombay, Rangoon. San Francisco, Yokohama, the whole world. And I got a yen to see it one day for myself. The things that make us what we are. Perhaps. That change our lives. Perhaps where we go depends on who we are and where we came from. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, it, it's a long story. You're a young man. I doubt it's that long. Well, uh, I, I suppose I, I was a little snob, like most boys of my age. And your class, I dare say? Pretty much. But no worse than the other boys of my class and age. Aye. Prep school, public school, can't say I cared for either. Good schools? Uh, uh, pretty good, as these things are counted. Eaten. <laughs> yeah, of course, it, it depends on how these things are counted. In my experience, it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. It wouldn't be of much use, the numbers, if you couldn't be sure of them. Do you see? Well, I, I suppose so, but then... Well, then, I was as sure of what I believed as, as I was of the numbers and the letters of the alphabet. England. God bless the king and everyone in his rightful place, men with big moustaches and sticks and Kipling and, and uh, Kitchener... Edward Elgar, Gilbert and Sullivan, and... Or he himself has said it. <laughs> and, and it's greatly, greatly to his credit that he is an Englishman. That he is... English. But then I stopped. I stopped being sure of anything at all. Ah, as my old pal Sherlock Holmes would say, I suspect there's a woman in the case? Yes, a girl. There generally is with young fellows, I find. Beautiful, was she? Intelligent, lively, made you feel... Well, she made me feel terrible oh. in the end. I always thought she was so tender-hearted when she cried over the animals we boys shot at with our 22s. And then she abandoned me to this bloody country, all hope denied. You wanted to marry her, I dare say. Bring her out here. That's what I thought. What did she think? Well, I thought that she would... Well, I don't suppose I knew what she thought, really. I wrote to her once I got here. I, I wrote lots, uh, almost once a week. Telling her what she was missing? Telling her how awful it all was. And? She stopped writing. Clever lassie. I've decided that I don't really understand them, women. How old were you when you came out? When your girl dumped you? Well, I, I was coming anyway, really. 
barely twenty. Burma is my universities. Have you read them? Hmm? What? Maxim Gorky. Uh, no, not yet. I, I mean to. That there, there's so much to read. You should. But why Burma, anyway? Well, my my father insisted. He was in India, district officer. He he thought it was the only thing to do. And after Jacintha, there was nothing I could find in myself that said otherwise. All right, then let me be a bit more specific. <clears throat> Why are you here on this train, which we both know is going nowhere? Well, it, it's going to Qatar. Which, as far as an ambitious young policeman might be concerned, is nowhere. Are you uh, questioning me? Are you questioning me? After all, you're the one with the notebook. Oh well, I I rather hope one day to be. Well, um, no, that's not quite true. Go on. When I was a boy, I always thought I would be a writer. Then I came out here and I decided. No, this country decided I wouldn't be a writer. After all, I'd do my job and things would go on somehow. I really wanted that, to be like everyone else here until. Well, until. And so here we are, two unknown travellers. Whither bound, my friend? Whither bound? I don't know whither, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you about the thing, the thing that that made me think all this is standing on its head. I'll tell you about the day I killed an elephant. I'm done. Not yet, Blair. Want to make sure, don't you? What the hell do you mean? That he's really finished before they start cutting him up. After we left, it took the elephant half an hour to die. They were cutting into him long before that. He'd spent his life working for them, for us, a great, strong, majestic animal. And in the end, he was just an afternoon's entertainment, a few cuts of meat, a bit of ivory. Maybe I'm being sentimental, and it won't matter a damn who shot that elephant. And it's all history. We don't really stand a chance, do we? Of changing anything. You know, sometimes I feel it'll just go on and on like the bloody jungle and cut out a clearing, and in weeks, days, the forest takes it back. The the creepers and vines strangle what men have built. Everything rots, gets eaten, gets used again to do the same pointless thing. It's it's appalling, like a nightmare. Evolution, inevitability. History, the jungle, inevitability, eternal recurrence, call it what you will. I don't think it exists. Not as you see it, laddie. 
History doesn't make men. Men make history. Men make mistakes. Coming to Burma was mine. Unless you make something out of it, rather than letting it make a failure out of you.
You are listening to The Bohemian Beat and we just heard Younger Brother with Train. And before that, an excerpt from a BBC radio dramatisation by Mike Walker called The Real George Orwell, Burma. And we have come to the end of another hour of thought-provoking entertainment. I hope you've enjoyed hearing more about George Orwell and make sure you tune into this spot again next week on your community radio station for more Bohemian Perspectives. And check out the website, thebohemianbeat.com, for more information. We will end with a track by Suzanne Sanford called The Silicon Veil. Thank you for joining me. On the Bohemian Beat, I'm ready. I go to